My name is Brian Lloyd. I am the movies editor of entertainment.ie. You are listening to the Revisit podcast. In this episode, Kira King talks about Hunt for the Wilder People. Hello and welcome along to uh, this episode of The Revisit. My name is Brian Lloyd. Today we are going to be talking about Hunt for the Wilder People. I think it's actually on on the list of uh, films that we've had. This is actually the most recent one. This was released in uh, 2016. It was directed by Taika Waititi and written by him. What's interesting about Hunt for the Wilder People, I think, is that even though it's very much a Kiwi film, I mean, it's based on the book Wild Pork and Watercress by Barry Crump, who was this sort of... I guess you'd call him a folk hero in New Zealand. But I, I suppose a lot of the love that I've seen, a lot of the reviews that I've seen for Hunt for the Willow People kind of seems to zero in on the chemistry that develops between Sam Neill and Julian Dennison. And that's something I think that's really universal. This idea of like, you know, an angry crotchety old man and a young kid who doesn't give a crap about anything. And the, how the two of them develop a trust for one another over the course of the film. And it's it's a beautiful film and I mean I remember seeing it I remember going to the press screen and for it and I think that year 2016 I think I'd only given out I think about not even four five star reviews and that was one of them I it's one of the very few films I've walked out of and straight away I knew exactly what star rating I was going to give it I didn't second guess myself for a second I was like yep I'm going to give this five stars it's just such a gorgeous gorgeous film and it is a film that has a lot of humor to it and it it is it's just outright funny like I mean there's so many lines and scenes in it that I think of now that crack me up but it's also a film I think that is built around death and loss Hunt for the Wilder People is a film about two people who have lost someone desperately close to them and how their loss effectively joins them together the main character is Ricky Baker, who's played by Julian Dennison. He's a juvenile delinquent who's been abandoned by his mother. He's taken in by child welfare services. And he's sent to this remote farm where a foster family are there waiting for him. Now, one of them is Bella, who's played by uh, Rima Tewada. And she's just completely straight up. But there is a warmth and a charity tour that Ricky Baker has never experienced. It's not even in sort of like she's picking up and hugging him or anything like that. It's stupid stuff. It's like there's a scene in it where she puts a hot water bottle in in his bed and he's never had that before. He doesn't even know what it is. And that kind of gentle humanity is something that is all the more devastating when you realise that he's never experienced it and that it's just so second nature to him. And then by extension, Eck, uh, who's played by Sam Neill, he just completely shuts the young lad down. He has nothing to do with him. And I always think of that thing about Irish dads when they get a pet dog. Irish dads do this thing where they don't want the small dog in the house and they don't want to have anything to do with it. But then little by little, the dog just wears them down until they're walking around the house with the dog yipping at their feet. And it's that bond develops. And that's what you see in this film is Sam Neill's character is just worn down by Julian Dennison because he's annoying. Like he's an annoying little shit. You know, like he's got that stupid dog, Tupac, and he's just completely unaware of what to do. In the rural environment. In watching this film, I think there is something in Taika Waititi's, his own personal life, because it's so well done. 
you have to imagine that he himself has experienced some of this, or at least he was able to empathise with it. And I feel like this film was Taika Waititi trying to jam everything he felt about New Zealand, everything he felt about his own cultural identity. He was trying to jam this into one film before the Hollywood machine came and took him away and made him do Thor Ragnarok and Jojo Rabbit and all these other kind of things. Because he would never get to make a film this personal. Like this film got a very, very limited Northern American release. And here in Ireland, I think it was only in a few of the specialty cinemas like, you know, the IFI and the Lighthouse and Triscoll down in Cork and few other places like it didn't get a big release I don't think but I mean I know for a fact those of us who saw it the Irish critics who did say it Jesus we were all raving about it certainly I was I wouldn't shut up about it I think over Thor Ragnarok over Boy over Eagle vs Shark over any of the films that Taika Waititi done I think this stands above them all because you can see that he was trying really hard you could really see that he was like putting every bit of himself into this and it worked. I talked about this a lot with Kira about how even though it is a very much a New Zealand film, there are aspects of this film that I think resonate with the Irish cultural identity and the Irish experience. The idea of Irish people and New Zealand people have black humour built into our makeup. And there's also a bluntness as well, I think, that we respond to that's very much in this film. I absolutely enjoyed this film so much and I really, really enjoyed talking to Kira King about it. Kira King, if you don't know, she is a broadcaster on 2FM. She's a published author. She wrote the book Kira's Diary. She's also on the 6 o'clock show on Virgin Media. There was a show that she used to have on iRadio with uh, Chris Green, who was on last season. And you can go back and listen to that. We talked about Paul Bart Malkoff for 30 minutes. It was great. But yeah, Kira King, she's great. She's absolutely brilliant. And I'm just so delighted that she was able to give us some time and chat to us about Hunt for the Will People. I remember the first time I saw this and I was absolutely blown away by it. And what got me more than anything than Taika Waititi's writing and direction in it. And I don't know how you felt about this. Sam Neill. He, I wasn't expecting him to be as funny as he was. See, I have a theory about this. I came to this movie late and I remember it being in my ether around the time of the Oscars and all that sort of stuff around 2016, 2017. And I, I, I said, that's the sort of movie that I would absolutely and utterly love. Now, Sam Neill to me is Jurassic Park. So that is, yeah. that's my association with Sam Neill. I'm going to be deadly honest. I didn't even know he was from New Zealand. <laughs> I thought he was an American actor that Steven Spielberg had gotten in for Jurassic Park. And then I kind of seen him in Peaky Blinders. And then I obviously realized that he was from New Zealand, which made the movie even more kind of interesting to me because I hadn't made that connection, you know. But he, he was, he was a grumpy, curmudgeonous uncomfortable Sam Neill that I had never seen before, you know, Yes. as the character of Hank. And I just thought he was, it was that absolutely brilliant kind of combination of, you know, the, the two car. It was like a New Zealand version of Up. That's totally it because you have like Ricky Baker, who's this like really kind of energetic go-getter kid next to this grumpy owl lad who couldn't give a shit, but we know actually does, you know, that kind of way. It's that, that's the thing about owl lads in films is that, they have to give the veneer of not giving a shit, but then they actually completely do give a shit. And like, we've seen this before. It's not a new concept. You know, the mismatched no. couple and they go on a journey together and all the rest. As I said, we've seen it a million times before, but I'd never seen it in the, the New Zealand outback, I guess. I'd never seen Gillian Dennison yeah. before. 
Um, and actually he's popped up a couple of times on things that I've watched uh, since like Deadpool 2 and oh the Santa Claus 2 <laughs> yes but he was brilliant and Taika Waititi has this absolutely uncanny way of casting the perfect young boy for the roles that he has written you know in those particular yeah. movies like Jojo Rabbit like Boy and like Hunt for Wilder People you know it's not a perfect movie but you definitely get to see Taika Waititi from Boy to Hunt for the Wilder People and where he's going to go to next. There was a lot of similarities with Boy. You know, it was set in New Zealand. You had the whole um, Maori background. You had that funny, empathetic, dark comedy that Taika Waititi is absolutely amazing at. And then there was the undercurrent of loss as well. And I don't know, the character Bella, she played the the foster mum in Hunt for the Wilder People. She was barely on screen. But when she was, she was brilliant. And that Taika does this thing with music as well. The Ricky Baker song, the song that she wrote him for his birthday. And but I could I could see Taika Waititi sitting there writing that song. But then Bella, the foster mother, she performed it. And yeah. it, was, it was so awkward. It was such an awkward scene, but it was so beautiful and brilliant at the same time. It's the same in like, as you say, in Boy and in Jojo Rabbit and Thor Ragnarok and all his films. He's able to make awkward scenes awkward but still being lovely you know that kind of way like you think of something like you think of something like Ricky Gervais when he does it in the office and it's just plain awkward and you're just like I want this to be over whereas in this it's like everyone's kind of like oh it's a bit awkward but we're all enjoying it almost yeah but he has this way of like the the character Bella and the reason she stands out for me she was on screen very very little but she was the sort of character that accepted Sam for exactly who he who Hank for exactly who he was and for Ricky Baker for exactly who he was. And then with his death, you know, with her death, like sometimes the death can be drawn out in the movies. Sometimes, the de- you know, it, it, it's alluded there's a death or whatever. But she just died of a heart attack. You, you know, she just came out yeah. and, and she was dead and that was it. And these two characters had to cope with the loss. And it was done in a really subtle but brilliant way, if that's the right yeah. thing to say about a death happening in a movie. She, you know, she was the glue that was holding them together and she was a sort of character who as I said accepted Ricky and Hank for exactly who they were but she was also warm like the hot water yeah. bottle in his bed those tiny little touches Ricky hadn't had that for all his life because you know he was moved from foster home to foster home and, and I thought Tyke has a brilliant way of doing that he's also obsessed with death though if you think about it and a, yeah. and a parent being dead and especially a mother being dead and the, and the father not really stepping up to the mark, same as in Boy and same as in Hunt for mm. the Wilder People. Like there is a theme there. I wonder, you see, it's funny you say that because like, I think like his kind of obsession with death is in a weird way. It's kind of Irish, isn't it? I, I don't know. Like this is, I remember when I was watching Hunt for the Wilder People, like Hank's character, like that's an Irish dad as far as, far as I'm concerned. 100%. He's every Connemara man I've ever known. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. The only reason it's different is the settings in New Zealand, you know, and that's it. And the, the two of them kind of became outlaws, really, when they kind of had to take off, even though they didn't mean to take off together. It kind of just ended up happening, you know, and then obviously they take off. And that's where the whole premise of Hunt for the Wilder People, you know, takes place. And it's not perfect. Yeah. Like there's bits of it that I was like, was that necessary? Like and people might be surprised when I say this, but when he met the, the Maori girl on the horse and then she took him back to the house and then the only funny part of that for me was the father asking for the selfie Ricky Baker or the you know the the mad guy that they met at the end there was just kind of things like that and that, that mad chase scene at the end I wasn't too that didn't really enamor me either 
And I know that sounds like large chunks of the movie. It felt almost like Taika Waititi was, uh, he was trying too Running hard. Running ideas. Yeah. It was, it was trying too yeah. hard. What, what he had was perfect in its simplicity, um, in my opinion. Yeah, because like what you were saying, like it's quite similar to Boy. So he probably just had to tack on these different things to make a difference. I want to talk to you about um, Rachel House, who played Paula. Oh, I love like, that Taika uses her in nearly every movie. I love their relationship. Yes. I love that he's zoned in on her. She is brilliant in everything that she is in. Obviously, she was in Thor Ragnarok. Um, she was Jeff Goldblum's right-hand woman. And she, again, yeah. was barely on screen. But when she was, she was really, really funny. She just, that whole thing, like when she's like, when she's like, I'll never stop, I'm like the Terminator. <laughs> and then she's like, <laughs> you're like, it's just, it's a whole thing with to have that back and forth about like doing pu- the pull-ups. I'm like Sarah Connor before she learned how to do pull-ups and all. <laughs> like I'm doing, again, I'm doing a terrible New Zealand accent. I think but we like, both are. It's okay. We're in a safe yeah. place. We're in a safe place. We're in a safe place. We're in a safe place. It's that thing of like, she's able to take a small amount of screen time and just like there, like I would say she's in that film God, what? All of maybe 25 minutes, not half an even. hour? Yeah, not even, yeah. Yeah. And yet here we are talking about her and like she's so clear in my mind when yeah. I think of that film. Like, Yeah. I love that relationship you, and I love that uh, yeah. Taika has stayed loyal to her and obviously sees something yes. in her. And in, in fairness, and he's so right about Maori representation and and all that sort of stuff. He's brilliant at that. And he's he's kind of the voice of that at the minute. And mm. if, if you're going to go into, if it was going to get very, very political, if you think about it, Sam's character and Julian Dennison's character, they kind of become the Maoris in the landscape of New Zealand in that story, as in like they're kind of outcast and, and the authorities yeah. are searching for them and they're on the run and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I thought there was, maybe he didn't mean to do that, but I, I picked up on that. Yeah. The only people that they meet that help them are Maoris themselves and that it's a thing of like, they're strangers in their own land. They should be... They should be accepted, but they're being chased by the authorities and stuff like that. Yeah, I wonder. And I, 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 I'm curious to know what you think of it. Think of this yourself. Now that Taika Waititi has become this really known quantity, like he did Jojo Rabbit, and that was in the Oscars, and he did Thor Ragnarok, and blah 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 blah. I felt as I was watching this, it was like him kind of saying to himself, "This is the last time I'll be able to make an indie film." in New Zealand and I've got to put everything into this film because I'll probably never get a chance to do it again. Did you feel that way or was that just... I felt... Okay, so I think that Boy was his first... Now, I know Boy wasn't his first kind of um, accolade. I know that. Um, And I think... Okay, this is what I think. I think this is the first time that he was like, okay, he did so well with Boy. He kind of had to do even better with Hunt for Wilder People to be really taken seriously in Hollywood because... What We Do in the Shadows, absolutely and utterly one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my whole entire life. He's known for his out there dark comedy sketches. He's worked with Flight of the Concords. Yeah. He's a huge name in New Zealand. But I'm, honestly, and I would, I don't think me and you on all the times that we're doing the radio show together over the last seven or eight yeah. years, I don't think we ever talked about Taika Waititi. And now that I, I saw one thing and it was the, um, what we do in the shadows. And I just, I fell in love. Yeah. Like I fell in love. I was like, how have I never seen this? And then I, then I watched Boy and then I watched Hunt for the Wilder People. So I could see even the growth from Boy to Hunt for the Wilder People. But you're yeah. right, because now you see, he's got involved in the Marvel Universe. And I think once you get involved in the Marvel Universe, 
there's no going back really like Thor Love no. and Thunder like I cannot wait to watch Thor yeah. Love and Thunder and I think there's so much pressure on him because Thor Ragnarok was he gave he gave um, Thor an actual personality. <laughs> yes. Thor was such a bad one-dimensional character that I was like, this is embarrassing. For I actually think that Taika Waititi made Chris Hemsworth. That's what I think. Oh, he did? Yeah, oh, without 100%. a 100%. I cannot yeah. wait for Thor Love and Thunder. I am so excited for it because, you know, the character of Korg in Thor Ragnarok, again, Taika plays it. It's very funny and he doesn't even do anything different compared to um, let's say who we were talking about, Rachel House's character in in Boy yeah. or Hunt for or Hunt for Wilder People. He, it's just that really wry New Zealand laid back humor that's warm and funny, and I I find it so endearing and so funny, and I love that Taika has this ability to make even the baddies makes you even feel empathetic for the baddies. Yes, because that's like- a really hard thing to do. Because even in like, and I think, I think Jojo Rabbit is the best example of that. You literally have like endearing Nazis. Hitler. Hitler, yeah. Hitler as a sort of, as a, as a comic figure. Like You see, this is it. And honestly, nobody else could have played Hitler bar Taika Waititi. It wouldn't have made sense if it was any other actor. Um, yeah. And that is a crazy, Hitler, everyone in the world hates Hitler. Everyone knows of the atrocities that he did. When it came to Jojo Rabbit, you walked away and you were like, God, he was really good, wasn't he? Wasn't he really good as Hitler? You know, yeah. so not everyone has that power to pull that off. Do you find looking at, you know, looking at Home for the Wilder People, I wondered about it sometimes that like it's very like it is hilarious. I like I I could watch I could sit and watch it like if it was on like 20 minutes in, I'd sit down and watch it to the end 100 percent. But do you find it's a film that you, you kind of touched on this yourself you can really feel it running out of steam by the end. Yeah. Oh, no, but it did, <clears throat> without a shadow of a doubt. It had this gorgeous story. It's, a, it's like the story ran out before the film did, yes. I think. Yeah, that's it yeah. completely. And that's why they had to, to end it with that random car chase at the end. Like, I just, I didn't enjoy, I was like, oh, really? I was like, really, guys? I, I wanted a different ending. I definitely did. But I mean, I'm not the director of the movie. Um... And that whole bit again with the the mad Sam, I think his name is Sam, in the bunker and and they were hiding yeah. and stuff like that. How like how would you have ended Hunt with the Wilder People? It was always yeah. going to end with the two of them being separated, hopefully coming back together at the end, you know. Mm. But then it was you could you could feel Taikwititi's brain working in overdrive towards the end of yeah. that movie to kind of try and wrap it up. And you're right what you said. It does feel like the story was there. How are you going to end a story like that? You know, I just, yeah. I just don't think it needed all the guns and explosions, and I mean that is in the car, the car chase. You know, Ricky Baker is such a kind of outsized character, and he's like talking about Tupac and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. That like again, another part of Tiger that I love, like it was all Michael Jackson and Boy, and it was all yeah. Tupac, and he actually used some, um, and I and I didn't know this again, but he used some very famous New Zealand artists. Um, you know, he almost used, I won't say Daniel O'Donnell of Ireland. And I want to say the U2 of Ireland, but he, he's like, you know, we have the famous Very Irish well musicians. Known. Yeah. 
that wouldn't yeah. be known kind of worldwide. He used, he used uh, New Zealand artists and actually a lot of um, New Zealand people were like, oh, so, g-. I'm not going to do a, an accent, I promise. Oh, so great that he used that track. That was a song of my childhood. And that was something so specific to New Zealand. And I'm so glad that he honoured that. He's very, very loyal to his roots. Yeah. Very loyal. You know, he didn't make, yeah. he made Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, he may have made it for Hollywood, let's say, whatever, but he made it for New Zealand. He made it for his country. And that's what I love about him. He stays true to himself. Now, Jojo Rabbit was a complete another, uh, as well yeah. as, I suppose, Thor Ragnarok. He moved away from New Zealand. But if you're going to make a movie, you're going to make a movie about what you know. And Taika knows what it is to be Maori in New Zealand. Yeah. It's funny you say that because there are certain times with films like this that are that specific to a place or to a time. And like the other example I would use would be like Lady Bird. Like Lady Bird uh, is really like about, you know, the 2000s, being a teenager in the 2000s when you and I were coming up. Um, And Hunt for the Will People, it's set in New Zealand. As you say, it has all the music. It's all about, you know, you know, the, the, the Mary experience and all that kind of stuff. And yet it's so personal and so specific, yet we can all relate to it. Even if we don't like, like, like we can watch that and like, okay, not get half the jokes, but we're still enjoying it. Like, I think that's really that's the sign. I think of a really good director and a really good film that it is something really specific, but we can all get it. When I watched Boy, like, if you change the landscape to Connemara, that could have been a Connemara movie. Like, seriously, yeah. like for me, it was filmed on the outskirts of New Zealand, way out in the country. And honestly, when when I was watching it, me being from Connemara, I could see, I could, I've seen that dad before. I've seen those little boys. I've seen the, you know, having to travel twenty minutes in a car to get to the local, um, you know, filling station or whatever. There was so many similarities, and you're so right. I think though that there is many universal, you know, themes in every movie that every single yeah. one of us can connect to, you know. But yeah. I guess for me, the wilderness of New Zealand is very much like the wilderness of Connemara. Whereas where I'm watching a blockbuster movie that's set in L.A., that's further removed from me. Yeah, that's that's right. Like, I mean, if, if it's even remotely similar to your own experience or to your own kind of surroundings, you're like, yeah, that's it. I can latch on to that. Also, do you think um, that New Zealand yeah. humour is kind of like the Irish humour or Taika Waititi, as you said? Kind of has. So there was one scene and in it and it was usually I'm waiting for a cringy scene to finish. The older I get, I can't handle cringe. But as you said earlier, he does it in a way where you're like, oh, this is actually really funny. But do you remember the scene? It's earnest. They got to the safe house. And the hunters are after finding them. And then Ricky does, um, you know, they ask Ricky, has Hank been harmed him? And basically it sounds like he makes he makes it out to sound like Hank is sexually attracted to Ricky. <laughs> and, you know, as the scene is unfolding that you're like, oh, God, this is going to be taken up the wrong way. But Ricky just continues and keeps <sighs> on saying the most inappropriate things, unbeknownst to himself, painting Hank as an absolute and utter pervert. Hence, the men in the safe house think that he is a pervert. And, and, and Hank is just there being like, oh, no, Ricky. Oh, no. <laughs> just, 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 just stop. Just stop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's so dark when you talk about, obviously, an older man uh, sexually abusing a younger boy. But that scene was so funny. It was so funny. And I again, I think that's such a talent to be able to do that where, where you're not walking away going, oh, that was, oh, that was a little bit wrong. You actually kind of were like, yeah. that was really funny. But you're dealing with a really serious subject but Taika Waititi again did it in such a way that you were like oh god that was that was so funny (laughs) yeah and it's like that's the other thing I think is that he's really earnest like it's so earnest like there's never 
it's it's not cynical. Do you know what I mean? There's never anything cynical. I think in any of his films, like if it's funny, it's funny. If if it's witty, it's witty. But it's never cynical. He's never he never comes out anything with a cynical viewpoint. And I think that's really evident in Hunt for the Wilder People, like because I don't think you could do a film like that and be cynical. You know that kind of way because it's such a kind of a boy's own adventure. Like. Yeah, and that's again what I and that's why I think I'm in love with Taika Waititi because. I I love, first of all, his comedy. I absolutely love his comedy. And then when you dig deeper into his work, there has to be some sort of reflection of the sort of person that Taika Waititi is in these scenes of love and empathy that he creates in his movies. And that, to me, would say that he's got a good heart and he's not a cynic and he's up for the yeah. crack. But at the same time, he knows what what's important and it's love is important. And I feel, and I don't know, and don't ask me, because I haven't really read Anthony on Taika Waititi, feel like he's been through some stuff in life I haven't a clue what that is but I think that you need to go through particular things in your life whether it's loss or grief or things not working out for you to become as empathetic as he writes his characters I'm not a psychiatrist tonight but no I'd agree because I think there is a thing of like and this is something that's in the hunt for the wilder people the idea of broken people will find other broken people and together the parts that are missing will connect yeah and the idea of you know the idea of like uh ricky and hank found something in the mother that she cared for them and accepted them completely as they are false and all and these two lads didn't get on each other at all but in grief and in loss the two of them found each other and i think that's yeah that's something i think that it's you can only see that you can only write about that convincingly or create a film or whatever convincingly if you yourself have known it. Now, I'm, I agree with you. I'm, I'm in the same boat as well. I don't know anything about his personal life or whatever, but it wouldn't surprise me to know that he's that been he through some had, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, what do you, and I, I was dying to ask you, what did you make of Taika Waititi's um, performance in Hunt for the Wilder People, his cameo? Come on, like the, the whole thing about the talking about the chocolate. And but that's in, in the, another in a thing. Funeral parlor. Yeah, that's Jesus, another thing like, that Taika he's he he does involve drinks and snacks and all that sort of stuff in in all of his movies as well. Actually, and it kind of it was standing out for me in, in Hunt for the Wilder People, and then in that particular scene where he plays the priest at the funeral of Bella, um, it was very good. Like it was very good, but it was it was so a, it was obviously a scene. It was a scene stealing moment, you know, for for Taika. But he does that. He did it with Korg as well. In um yeah, and he was brilliant as Hitler. <laughs> like, I keep on laughing because you're like, oh my god! But if, there's a but slow it, motion scene in Jojo Rabbit, and it's Hitler, and he's running alongside Jojo, and he's it's a slow mo scene, and it's just Taika Waititi doing this like really like dancing yeah, alongside, exaggerated, him. you know. And I honestly I couldn't stop laughing. Like I <laughs> anyway, yeah, he he is a steam singer. No. It is, yeah. Anytime he turns up, anytime he he turns up on screen, you're like, shit, this is going to be good. Or he's going to do something here. Because with uh, Paula and like with Bella as well, he can take these characters, give them a really small amount of screen time. But the five minutes that they're there, shit, you'll remember every one of those five minutes. But again, isn't that incredible? Isn't that an amazing feat to pull off in any motion picture or any TV series? I'll give you an example. Um, and it was just, it was yesterday, this was announced, or one of the days it was announced, the woman who played uh, Mary in Father Ted, she passed away. And yeah. she and, um, it was a John, it was Mary and John in the shop. 
she appeared a handful of times. That couple appeared a handful of times across the, the however many series of Father Ted there were. But you remember the two of them and their interactions, you know? So that, that's another example of it, like. You have a face like a pair of tits. You're a tit face, like. <laughs> and then he, he turned around and said something to her, like, at least one of us have a pair. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so vicious. It was so vicious and it was so funny. And um, God, maybe six or seven times they appeared. I would, and maybe that's an exaggeration on my behalf and Father Ted. And you remember their standout moments, you know. Anyway, every single one, yeah, like the one where he, like he's dumping her head in the in the in the urn. She's she's tr- trying to drown him, like. It's her roar. She had. I tell you, no. I I know we're getting off topic here, but whatever. Her roar is brilliant. You're not but a fucking agent. Like it's just like it's real guttural. Like fair. And like you know, she was an Abbey Theatre actor. Yeah, like you yeah, know, yeah, that kind yeah, of. Yeah. You know, she's got that range because like the range coming out of her was unbelievable. That's an interesting uh, one, isn't it? Would you rather be the Rachel Stone and Hunt for the Wilder People, or would you rather be Sam Neill? Do you, you know or? In these particular, mm. or would you would you rather be the Taika Waititi? Now I know it's different because obviously he directed it and he wrote it as well. I don't know. I see that's it because like it's Sam Neill's character, like he's that the two of them. That's the dynamic of the film, and I suppose Rachel House's character, she's hilarious, but she comes in and out of it. Like, but then again, we're talking about. I feel like we're talking about her more than we're talking about Sam Neill. Like even even though they're both brilliant, like. But again, yeah. Taika has a really he's got a brilliant eye for casting. Young boys. He? Oh my God. He's, he's really, do you know why? Because he's a big kid himself. That's it, isn't it? That's the thing. Like, Yeah, I watched an interview with Taika Waititi. It was like a Facebook Live with Taika Waititi and Julian Dennison. And I honestly, the way Taika, Julian was like 12 years of age at the time. Um, and Taika did nothing to quell his 12 year oldness and his, you know what I mean? His smartness about answering Taika back and his, his silly, immature answers, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I saw another interview with Sam Neill and Julian Dennison, and you could see the rapport between the two of them. You could see yeah. that Sam Neill was really minding this, this young kid, you know? And I felt the same with, I don't know who the actor is that played Jojo in Jojo Rabbit. Um, but you could see he's, Taika cares about these kids as well. You can see it, it oozes yes. off the screen. They aren't just another child actor to Taika Waititi. He brings out the best in them because he is yeah. a big kid himself. I remember actually there was an interview I think it was on The One Show or something like that but yeah it was Julian Dennison and Sam Neill and Julian Dennison of course was just like mouthing off being Ricky Baker like you know that kind of way like giving him smart answers and all this kind of stuff and you saw Sam Neill kind of just like kind of looking at him being like ah yeah there you go (laughs) just like it was that thing of like I, I imagined like a father and a son and a smart Alex son and the dad's just like oh, yeah he's got to say whatever like just yeah, leave him out yeah, like, kind of thing. Like, it's just like it's just like oh yeah go on yeah what, what else have you got to say for yourself like it was just there's a naturalism to it that is very hard to like you don't see it in American films you don't you kind of see it in English films but like Taika Waititi he's able to get that real natural humour that just and I wonder if it comes from doing loads of takes or is it just he casts the right people and they're so witty that they can just do it in one like you know I he's, wonder I mean he had a, he's had a lot of practice in it you know what I mean because that's what he started mm. out in New Zealand it's, it's that really funny dark comedy um, so he's been doing it for a while he didn't just you know for me it felt like Taika became known to me overnight but looking back at everything that he's done and how long he's been doing it he's been doing it for a really really long time and I'm actually excited. Yeah. 
I hope that Hollywood doesn't ruin him because now everyone is like gushing over Taika Waititi and everyone is excited about what he's going to do next. He's going to probably have, he's going to probably have some humdingers like, you know, every director does. But I just hope that they're not that bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like Jojo Rabbit, people were saying was like, I remember watching Jojo Rabbit and thinking, I didn't think like, oh shit, Hollywood got him. It was more sort of like, yeah, this is even, I know what he was going for. I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to mix like, you know, absurd comedy with something really dark and really serious and tried to force the two of them together. And it didn't work. I'd say it worked like 60% of the time. I agree with Dave. But the 60% of the time it worked, it was fucking hilarious. Like, so. And he ends up winning the Oscar first and all that sort of stuff. And there is, as you said, there's always a danger because winning big awards like that can sometimes ruin people. And that's it. You never hear from yeah. them again. But I yeah. think that we definitely, I think he's definitely going to still work in Australia and New Zealand. I think that's for, for sure yeah. and for certain. And I hope he, he does. I I came across, um, it's a show that I'm dying to see. It's called Wellington Paranormal. Have you heard of it? I've heard about this, yes. So I actually was searching for it online. You can only get it in New Zealand and Australia. I'm sure uh. we'll be able to hopefully, hopefully stream it on some platform in the future. But basically, it's like the characters of Rachel Stone and her partner in uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, but they're actually guards and they go out and investigate paranormal. It's a kind of like a spin-off of what we do in the shadows and they go out and they investigate paranormal yeah. activity in Wellington and New Zealand. And it, it's a mockumentary and it looks so funny and Taika was involved in the writing of that as well. And that, to me, out of all of these movies and all of these TV series, that to me is the one that I think I would love out of all of them. A mockumentary on yeah. normal New Zealand. I think an Irish version of that would be so funny like, do you remember extraordinary like yeah a lot of people were comparing that with Taika Waititi and like that's if Taika Waititi was to do an Irish film it would look something like that like it was a that similar kind of vibe true, like, actually. something to think about something to think about okay we will uh, leave it there Kira King thank you so much thank you so there you have it like I said I had to apologise for the um for the New Zealand accents they were terrible I know they were terrible uh, I take full responsibility I don't have any excuse they're all awful I have to thank Kira King uh, for giving us the time to do that she's down in Roundstone in Connemara uh, I hope the sound quality was good in that we were doing that over Zoom and we were doing like a whole big audio setup so hopefully that sounded good uh, I have to thank Owen Renane who uh, helped out with recording I have to thank Charlotte Reed, uh, who was brilliant with editing all that fair play to Charlotte uh, thanks to Fiona Flynn, uh, who's been helping out with production and scheduling all these uh, podcasts. And finally, to you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. If you liked that episode, if you've been following along on the show, we would love it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Obviously, you know, if you subscribe, even better. If you want to tell your friends about it, we really appreciate that as well. And I think that's everything. So uh, thanks a lot for listening. 